Glad to be here once again, and for those that may be tuning in at home, I uh, hope you will be uh, blessed by tuning in, and uh, thankful to see everybody that is here this morning. Uh, I think uh, what is on my mind again uh, this morning is uh, going to be a continuance, really, of some of the things that I think we discussed this morning in the subject of prayer. And uh, I think as we somewhat transition our Bible study, I know prayer was a major topic that we wanted to kind of look into. And I say, I think me and Dad will probably try to be piggybacking, I hope, off each other a little bit and trying to help as we dive deeper into some things. I'm sure he'll say plenty of things that are different than what I will say. And I'm sure there will be things that I'll say that will be different than things that he will say. And, and that's okay, as long as I hope and pray that God will bless us to complement one another. Excuse me for that. Uh, but I hope uh, what we will say uh, will complement uh, one another. And uh, I think uh, I'm going to start in some places that he mentioned this morning because I think it'll help, one. And so as uh, in thinking about the subject of prayer, I first want to ask you a question. And I think it's an important question because I think in order to uh, improve your prayer life if you want maybe you maybe you think to yourself you have a very weak prayer life maybe you have uh, maybe you only pray once or twice a week maybe you pray only at meal times I know we all get into that habit of and maybe you don't pray much really at all uh, I think uh, sometimes we can become just as guilty of the Ephesians church that uh, Christ spoke to uh, in Revelation chapter 2 when he was writing the letter through John and uh, was, was really rebuking that church at Ephesus at the time and saying that, he's like, I know my thoughts that I have towards you. I know how, you, you know, I know your works. I know your labors. I know everything you're doing. He says, but you've forgotten one thing and you've forgotten your first love. So they were a church where they were, and if I were to put this down to an individualistic level to where this is an individual level for you and me, is we were going through the motions, and that, or that church was going through the motions, and sometimes I think that we can be as guilty of uh, doing the very same thing where it's mealtime and uh, maybe we're husbands and we're, we're fathers of a family and we'll say, all right, it's time to pray and we bow our head. I hope and pray that what we're trying to do is set a good example for our children. And so teaching them that, hey, we need to be thanking God for this food. We need to be thanking God uh, for all the blessings that he's given us, whether it be monetarily uh, or through food or through other blessings that we may have. But I also don't want us to get into the habit of when it comes to prayer, of just thinking that I'm just going through the motions. In other words, uh, I think prayer is something that, um, it's something I'm very passionate about. It's something that I think I try to take more time if I'm just having personal one-on-one, -on -one, you know, I know historically probably in the church we would not want to use this term, but I'm going to use this term, and I'm not ashamed of using this, terming, this, ter this terminology, but the word meditate or meditation. Uh, I think uh, it's uh, I think probably the yoga classes and all these other things probably gave it a really bad rap over the last 20 years. And uh, everybody got to thinking, well, if you're meditating, that means you're talking to evil spirits. No, I'm going to use the word meditate. And this is your one on one communion time with the Lord. Uh, with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit that is within each and every one of us that have been born again, I'm not ashamed to use the word meditating with God. And uh, I think it's something that we need to improve upon and uh, spending that personal, personal time with Him. Uh, to get kind of started this morning, I'll ask you a question. Who are you talking to? Uh, I think if we're going to begin to have a better prayer life or if we're going to start growing more in grace and in knowledge of our God, we need to understand who we're talking to. And you've heard me over the last two months or so here give you a lot of attributes about God, uh, kind of describing his character, uh, kind of his, his uh, omniscience and all these things that we could uh, say, omnipotence and omniscience and uh, omnipresence, if I can say it that way. Uh, there's so many things, I mean, again, if I were to spend just this morning talking to you about who he is, I wouldn't get to my subject. But I will tell you that we need to understand who we're talking to. Over in Revelations, we talk about how he's the beginning and the end. He's the Alpha and Omega. But we're going to start where Brother Charles left off this morning and go right to Psalm 18. And in Psalm 18, it says, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock 
and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I can remember years ago finding this verse in, uh, here in Psalm 18 and thinking about all the ways in which David just described who God was. And it's so amazing to read here where he talks about how he's the rock. He is our fortress. He's our deliverer at times. He is uh, a place where we can put our trust, the horn of our salvation. He's our high tower. In other words, he is so... And I may have mentioned this a few weeks ago, but when I think about a high tower, I think about the uh, fortresses of days of old where you had the, you wanted somebody with a real, somebody in a position that was in the highest tower so they could see the farthest distance that they could to see the enemy coming. And I'll tell you, he's our high tower. He sees things that you and I can't see. And I tell you, that is awesome to think about when we're, when we're thinking about who it is we're talking to. We're talking to someone who sees things, knows things that we can't even comprehend. We can't see it. We can't touch it. We can't feel it. But he knows. And that's awesome. So who are you talking to when it comes to your prayer? Like when, when you bow your head and you're wanting to go to the Lord in prayer... Who are you talking to? You're talking to someone who knows the deepest, innermost thoughts of your soul. Even though you think, see, and that's hard almost to express because we think that we, we have a nature about ourselves. Dad kind of talked about it again. Where we, If we went over to Ephesians 3, we could talk about that inner man and the outer man. Put off the old man. Put, off the, the, put on the new man. Put off the old man. Put on the new man. And I'll tell you, our flesh and our mind likes to say, I'm in control of this. That's what our minds tell us. And, our, and, that's what, and Satan, feed, Satan feeds off that every day. He's like, yeah, you're in control. Let's see if you can just keep going. And he's like, it's just like dominoes falling is all I'll say when it comes to that. But your mind can be tricked like that. But I want to tell you there is one that is a high tower that knows the very deepest thoughts. I love the fact that we heard this morning and, and thinking again more about this subject that he knows. There's nothing we're going to confess to Him. There's nothing we're going to say to Him. There's nothing we're going to cry out to Him that He doesn't know. But you know what He wants us to do? He wants us to come to Him as little children do. I tell you, the more and more I... Uh, Y'all know I'm a parent now, and it's kind of weird. I'm in this awkward phase of life where I'm seeing things I wish I would have known before, but you don't know them until you really experience them, and you go through it, and you have a child, the innocence of a child, that comes crying to their mommy or their daddy. You know, and I tell you, that's the way God wants us to go to Him. He wants us to come with the innocence of, of, uh, as a child because when, when, uh, when children cry out, they know mommy and daddy can fix it. That's what they think. They're, they're just like, well, I, I got a problem. Daddy can fix it. I got a problem. Mommy can fix it. You know, I love it. Levi's favorite word around the house is help. He don't need a lot of help at certain times. But that's, his, that's one of the words that he's learned. Help, daddy. Help. He wants, us, he wants me to help him. And, uh, you know, and, and sometimes, I mean, as a father, I don't necessarily know what he wants helps with. I'm breaking through a communication barrier there. But I love watching the innocence of a child that goes to their father or their mother and knows that they can help. Just because, and it's really just because they're mommy and daddy. They can do anything. That's the way God wants us to come to him. Here in that same chapter of Psalm 18, it says, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies. I tell you, we need to learn how to call upon the Lord who is our high tower. We need to learn to go to Him as little children do. And even Jesus commanded in Matthew 18 that we should... Uh, uh, now, I'll just go over there and read it for us this morning because I think it's too good to miss. But... Uh, in Matthew 18, it says, At the same time came Jesus, uh, the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them, and said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And who shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me? 
Jesus here is talking about a kingdom of heaven that is not talking about heaven in immortal glory and eternity. He's not talking about that. Uh, me and Brother Ray Blanchard, who's uh, down in Orlando, and I uh, hope he's there blessed this morning in their services. But I can tell you right now, we were talking just briefly this week about the kingdom of heaven. And most people don't realize there is a spiritual world, there's a spiritual realm, and that kingdom of heaven is not the church. It is, not, uh, it, it, it is a spiritual kingdom. Yes, I pray you can find it here in the church. Uh, but I will tell you, it's not limited to these four walls and to this building and to this group of people. Uh, I tell you, we ought to go to uh, Jesus as this little child goes. He says, suffer these little children to come unto me. And he says, they will enter into the kingdom of heaven. So we ought to be going to Jesus in prayer and entering into that spiritual kingdom just as little children cry out to their mamas and their daddies. As I've been witnessing a lot of the times where Levi has cried out to me at, at different times or cried out to Sammy. And I stated a minute ago that all they, I mean, it's just like they, this innocence about them that says daddy and mommy can just fix it. And I think when, if we would look at our Lord and Savior the same way in crying out to Him, it doesn't matter my feelings on the matter. It doesn't matter how smart I think I am and how my logical process and all the things I've, I've the data I've analyzed and everything else. Sometimes the Lord just wants us to come to Him with the innocence as a child knowing that, Lord, you got it in your control. It's out of my hands completely. It's out of my hands. The next question I want to ask this morning is probably another question. And the reason I bring up questions, I'll, I'll write a lot of questions down because I think it's things that we all think about, but I don't think we express them. We don't probably express them enough to each other. And uh, I think sometimes verbalizing things gets it out there in front of us a little bit more and allows us to think a little differently about some things. So the next question I'll ask you this morning is, why are you talking to God? I think it's an important question. Brother uh, Charles mentioned this morning in James chapter 4. We're going to go back to James, but we're going to go to chapter 3, not 4 in this case. In chapter 4, he talks about how you ask amiss because you've asked to receive it upon your lust. So uh, again, I'll bring up this example again. Do we look at God as the vending machine? Do we look at God as a place where I can, or a gas station or whatever you want to say, where you just go and get what you want and then you just ignore him? I mean, and we can look at church that way. I, th I think we can look at worship in the very same way as you've come here this morning to worship the living God, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But you may come here saying, well, and you may walk her out of here saying, well, I didn't get a blessing today. Well, that sounds like an entitlement. Sorry if I hit some nerves. But that's the way it comes across. Well, since when did it all become about you? This worship has nothing to do with anybody here. It has everything to do about Him. And see, that's when we, when we begin to mistake ourselves. Well, you know, and, and that's how divisions happen amongst churches. That's how problems break out and fights and wars and grumblings and all this stuff. And, and again, we read it this morning. We've done it because we're asking, because we come to this idea that it's all about what we want. Well, when you go to the Lord in prayer to God, it's not about what you want. It's all about what you need. And sometimes what you need is not what you want. And I'll tell you, probably more times than not, you get upset because the Lord gave you exactly what you needed versus what you want, and then it just drives a bigger wedge in between your relationship with God, and which is why we begin to stop praying, because we think we're smarter than God. Make sense? So why are you talking to God? Why are you talking? I mean, why? I'll tell, I'm going to give you, this is just me. I'm going to tell you why. Because I've experienced things in my life where I just I couldn't find the answers. And that's okay. 
Because I know there's one that is stronger than the strong man. The Word tells me that. There's something else His Word tells me, and it's over in James chapter 3. In James chapter 3, we, uh, we can get this idea that we can research and do all this stuff and, um, in the world today. And as long as we, you know, we rationalize and figure things out all by ourselves and all this, you know, and then as an engineer, it's really kind of hard because we love data points. We love connecting all the dots. And as long as it all matches up, we got it. Hey, it's right here, black and white. I got it figured out. And now I know how to go forward. With God, it just don't work that way. I think about many of the ones that have been sick this morning that we mentioned in prayer. You know, I'd love to tell each and every one of them, oh, they're going to be just fine. You know, I'd love to tell you that. I think any minister of the gospel would love to tell you in any problem or concern or sickness or friend, it's all going to be okay. And I'd love it, but, I, but honestly, if I did that, I'd be lying to you. Because I don't know. I don't know what God's plan is. Only He knows. And I have to step out every day by faith and say it's in His hands. You know where I get that kind of teaching? It's right here in God's Word. Because it's not something I can understand. In James chapter 3, it tells us this, Who is a wise man endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly and sensual. And honestly, the word here is devilish is the next word. But listen to what it says next. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, it's then peaceable, it's gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. The faith that you have in God produces wisdom and the wisdom that comes from God is first pure. It's then peaceable. So when you're talking, so why are you talking to God? I'm wanting to find something that's pure. And I'm wanting something that's going to give me peace. It's easily to be entreated. It's gentle. The Lord, the Lord can make some of the things a, a very soft blow. I didn't mention this this morning, and I know there may be some tuning in, uh, but a guy I went to high school with, played basketball with, uh, got shot last night in Parrish. Yeah, it hurts. It hurts. But I don't have to understand it. I don't have to know everything about it because I know of one that can give me peace, and it's pure. It's another example of things that are devilish and evil in this world. But you know what? The why do I, I started out with the question, why am I talking to God? It's because I'm looking for something that's pure in a very unpure world. I'm looking for peace in a very unpeaceful world. I'm looking at a, for the gentleness and the meekness and the goodness that comes from God in a place, in a, in a society where we live where it's not always gentle, where it's not always easy. And there's not, sometimes there's not always a lot of mercy, but I tell you, why am I talking to God? It's because I'm looking for the wisdom that comes from above and not the wisdom that comes from the men and the women and the educators and the doctors and the scientists and all the stuff that is in this world. And I'll tell you, they can talk about a lot of things. I mean, they can talk about... I mean, I know scientists have figured out a lot of great things, but they still just ain't figured it all out. There's still things, they're still scratching their head. All the while, while they're scratching their head, they're cursing God and cursing His creation because they think they're smarter than Him. So why do I talk to God? Because I know one that is smarter than me, wiser than me, uh, got more strength than I do. He's got more mercy, more grace than anything i got to offer. 
That's why I talk to her. And the next I'll ask you is the next question. What do you want to talk to God about? We're talking about prayer. So what do you want to talk to God about? I think it's an important question for us to consider because I think most of the time when we talk to God, we say things like, you know, Lord, thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your mercies. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. Thank you for this. Lord, I ask you for this. Lord, I ask you for that. And we just rattle it off until we say, all right, thank you, Lord, for your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. What do you want to talk to him about? It would take me days to just go through and bring out all the things that David wanted to talk to the Lord about. Months. Years maybe. What do you want to talk to God about? You know what? I'll share one of my favorites. Maybe you can call this confession. Maybe you can call it whatever you want. But I like to talk to God about things that I don't understand very much. I like to ask him questions. Not that I ever get some marvelous answers. Not that I, you know, you know, it's not like he speaks to me audibly and like I have some, you know, uh, Moses experience with the burning bush in the wilderness. It's not that kind of relationship. But I love talking to him about things I don't understand because it gives me that peaceableness that I need to carry out the next day. I've, probably one of the most recent things I was asking myself or asking, uh, talking about, I guess talking to myself, talking to God, whatever, whatever you want to say it, is the stubbornness of a child is amazing to me. The Bible says they come forth from the womb speaking lies, right? We know this, right? But I'm, I'm getting on to Levi the other day and he just looks at me like, what you going to do about it, daddy? And I'm just like, where do they get that? And all y'all I know is it's wickedness and sin in this world. And I don't understand it. I'm like, I'm like, why can't they just be little angels and all this stuff? And it's okay that I don't understand. The Lord tells me, says, keep the course, keep the faith, keep raising, keep doing. Don't stop, don't stop, don't stop. It's like little, you know, the Energizer Bunny. Just keep going and going and going. And I get a lot of peace. I mean, so what do I want to talk to you? I want to talk to him about things I don't understand. I've told y'all this a thousand times from this pulpit. I'm still in awe every time I see the sunrise and the sunset. And I love it when I read these articles. You know, does the sun, you know, do we, does the earth revolve around the sun? Does the sun revolve around the earth? Everybody thinks they know. Nobody knows this. It doesn't matter to me, personally. I mean, I know people have a lot of theories and they have all these pictures of space. But you know what? They're just pictures. It's not like some shuttle was out there somewhere in the distance part of space and took this big picture. No, it's their idea of what it looks like. Okay? So I, I stand in awe of that kind of stuff. And, I, and, and that's like my one-on-one time when I continue to stand in awe of the God that is awesome. I stand in awe when my children were born. I think that's an amazing thing. When you see life and you don't know how these little cells and how it all works. And I mean, the, the nurses here, y'all can explain to me all you want. And I know the scientists come up with ways and all this other stuff. I still think it's amazing. Whether I can explain it all or not, it's amazing. So what do I want to talk to God about? I like to talk to him about the cool stuff. I think it's very important for us to also understand where our position is in prayer. I think we need to, as I've stated already this morning, we ought to come to Him as little children. But I also think we ought to cry out to Him as little children. And in Psalm 40, we can read over there a place where David cried unto the Lord. 
if I can turn over there pretty quick this morning. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord. I'm going to pause there because I think that needs, <laughs> I think that's a sermon in and of itself. Uh, that uh, prayers are not instantaneous. It's not, I mean, it's not Burger King, you know, have it your way kind of thing. It's not, uh, you know, I think, I, I know my generation for one thing, and, and me and Sebastian may have been probably saying probably different ones have talked about this, that we're the now generation. We love the technology at the fingertips. We can Google anything and all this stuff. And everybody's like, oh, you got a question? Oh, I got an answer. Boom, you know, the, the now generation, right? I waited patiently on the Lord. Sometimes when we go to the Lord in prayer, we have to understand that it's going to take a lot of patience on our part. We've talked about this over the last several weeks, about the patience of Abraham, the blessings that Abraham didn't see for years, uh, whether it was the promise of a child or the coming into the land of Canaan or uh, the promises that were given to his children that he never even saw, but his children saw. And the promises of even the, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that he definitely didn't see. I tell you, we have to wait patiently on the Lord. Because you know what we do? You know what we do in prayer? We're, we're, I'm not doing saying this to step on your toes, but we pray and we're like, where's the answer? Where's the answer? You know, we want it right then, we want it right now, and we worry about it. Sammy will tell you, and she knows she told me to stop bringing her name up in sermons. But I'm just going to spin this one on me, okay? I'm worried, Wharton, she knows it. Y'all, most of y'all probably know that I'm like, I get something on my mind, but it's like that hamster wheel. It's just going. And it's going until for some reason that hamster gets tired and just stops. I pray to the Lord to stop the hamster sometimes, Okay? But I'm a worry war. That's what I do. I get something on my mind, and buddy, I just, I mean, I'll call up whoever. I've, I've called Mom. I've called Charles. I've called Laura. I've called Alan. I've called, I've talked to Sammy. Sammy's like, we give it a rest. And, I mean, that's the way it goes. Because my patience on certain things, just, it's, y'all, and yet we're all the same. We all have our things where our patience on certain things is really thin. Just like onion paper, kind of like probably what this Bible's printed on, right? You know what I'm, Brother Todd's shaking his head, he knows what I'm talking about. I waited patiently on the Lord. If we're talking about prayer, we need to learn to have patience on the Lord. The answer doesn't come immediately. The answer may not come years from now. That's okay. Because if you trust and have faith that the Lord knows better than you do, then you won't have any trouble waiting and faithfully serving the Lord all the while you're waiting. Because you're trusting Him and not yourself. But see, I love the stories because I believe it was Sarah. I have to go back Abraham and Sarah. Uh, they, got, they got a little anxious for that child, so they gave her gave Abraham to the handmaiden, right? How many times do we not patiently wait on the Lord, try to take it in our own hands, and mess it up even worse than the way it started? Pretty simple, right? But that's what—that's part of our nature. The Lord, the Lord would command us through the voice of Paul in the letter to Ephesians, the Ephesians and the Colossians. We are to mortify the deeds of the flesh. We're to put these things to death. Put those ideas to death. Put those thoughts to death. If a thought comes in my in your head that you're going to help the Lord, you need to stop. You ain't going to help the Lord. Lord, Lord is more than capable of taking care of it for you, okay? I do think you need to serve the Lord, but don't get this idea that you're going to just get in front of the Lord and say, well, the, the Lord's taking too long. I guess I'm just going to take this in my, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Don't do that. Please don't. Please, 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 please don't. You will probably wind yourself up in a, in, a, in a situation that you don't want to be. There's probably a lot of biblical examples I could bring out of people that took things into their own hands instead of waiting on the Lord. The children of Israel, they got tired of waiting on Moses to come down out of the mountain. Golden calf, there you go. Well, the, and, I mean, how many, how many of the stories do you have to bring up with well, Moses is taking too long, so let's just make this calf of ours and we'll, we'll worship that instead. And we know where that got him as well. So, 
Know your position. Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of the horrible pit, out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my foot upon a rock and established my goings. You know what miry clay is? I had to Google this. It's like really, really thick mud that you can't move in. And uh, sometimes I got to thinking about how many times that we were probably on Sister, Brother Charles, Sister Hazel's farm out there in the on the far side of the farm, and I don't know how many times either Lee got stuck or Brett got stuck or something else like that, but you think about being in, in a place where eventually we were able to get the trucks out. We, we kind of know some of the stories and things that we've told over the years, but with this miry clay, I really get this idea of this picture of like somebody, uh, you getting stuck, like that has just freshly poured cement, and you go stick your foot in it, and you ain't going to move very far. At all, actually. God has brought us all out of a horrible pit. Out of the miry clay. And he has all set us on a rock. We could turn over to the Sermon on the Mount. On the Mount, uh, this would be in, uh, I believe it is, Matthew chapter 7. And we'd read over there about what Jesus preaching to the, to the congregation there about the difference of the difference between building your house upon a rock and upon the sand and the importance of wanting to be established on a rock on a on a sure foundation david is sitting here saying that i've waited patiently on the lord he inclined unto me he's heard my cry he brought me out of this miry pit and he put my foot upon a rock and then he established his goings i think that's what happens to us when we get out of our own way and we pray to God, because usually if we're in prayer, probably the chances are we're in a form of a miry pit. We're in a place where we don't know what to do. Makes sense? You pray for the salvation or the health of somebody that's sick. I can't do anything. I'm not a doctor. Not, I'm just a loved one, I'm just a, I'm a cousin, I'm a friend, I'm a neighbor, I'm a brother, I'm a sister, I'm a father, I'm a mother, etc. And you're just saying, and now I'm going to touch on something, so maybe this will leeway into Brother Charles here in a couple weeks when he gets on this. And, all we, and we say to ourselves, well, I can't do nothing, guess I'll just have to pray. We ought to count it a joy to be able to go to prayer to our Lord. How silly does that sound coming out of our mouths when we say like, well, I can't do nothing. Guess I'll just have to pray. You know what? I'll be mean about it. No, you can't do nothing, and you should have been in prayer weeks ago. Get to the one that could do something about it. There are so many things that the Lord can do for us that we can't do. He brought me out of a miry pit. He stepped my foot upon a rock and established my goings. And he put a new song in my mouth. Even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. Blessed is that man that maketh the Lord his trust and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. I tell you, when we, make, when we lift ourselves up in pride, when we make ourselves of a proud heart, when we lift ourselves up to this place where we think we got it all figured out and we can do it all by ourselves, we're not really leaning on the one that can really take care of the problem. I put my trust and I respect not the proud. Don't respect your prideful behavior. I get that. I mean, it's, it really is a prideful thing. Well, guess I can't do anything, so... I guess I'll just pray. That's really pride because you've just elevated yourself to a place that you're not supposed to be elevated to. Because you think you have more power. That's, it's a very subtle shot that I have more power than God. It's very subtle. We don't think about it that way, but it's subtle. You got it? 
But I want to now begin the rest of the time talking now that I've answered a lot of questions of who are we talking to? Why are we talking to God? What's our position? You know, what do, what do you want to talk to Him about? And now I want to kind of end with the last few things that are on my mind is now I want to talk about the benefits of prayer. What are the benefits to the going to the Lord in prayer? I've already brought one out. There's, the, there's a wisdom that is pure and peaceable and gentle and easy to be entreated uh, that's not full of lies and all these things, but it's, it's heavenly wisdom. It comes from above. That's a great benefit. But I'll tell you, the, one of the biggest crutches that we have in our prayer life is the fact that when we go to the Lord in prayer and we say these things, do you actually believe that He can actually accomplish the very prayer that you've just asked of Him? It's a big key. Why pray to somebody that you don't believe can accomplish? See, Brother Charles brought it out this morning. Now who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask that we can ask or think. See, he brought that out, and that's why we have to understand that do you really believe that he can do exceeding abundantly? And I want you to think sometimes when you're praying, I want you to think big. Think real big, as big as you can. The Lord can even do it now. I'm not saying, don't, now don't be foolish. Now let, let me pause. Don't go and try to test, don't tempt the Lord. Don't, uh, don't make me go to James and talk about testing and, and tempting the Lord God. Don't, don't do it say, Lord, I, I want a million dollars. And then you sit around and wait for 10, 20 years waiting on a million dollars to appear and it doesn't appear. Well, don't tempt the Lord. Don't be, don't, don't do that, okay? I, do, I, do I make sense when I'm saying don't, don't test the Lord? Don't, yeah, don't, just don't test him. It'd be a lot better for all of us, probably. But if we're going to talk about the benefits, we need to turn over to Hebrews chapter 3 and 4. See, the problem that the children of Israel had in, the, in, the, uh, in uh, following in, uh, coming out of Egypt was that they hardened their heart not once, not twice, not I don't know how many times, but it wound up you know, getting them 40 years into the wilderness because they sent the 12 spies out. Joshua and Caleb came back and said, hey, man, it's a land that flows with milk and honey. We can take the land. We're going to be, come on, guys, we can do it. And the, re the other 10 were like, no. And uh, the Lord basically rebuked them for not having the faith and the belief that God would give them the land. And what did they do? They said, okay, well, now that we're going to spend 40 years in the wilderness, we'll go take the land. We do that a lot, by the way. We, I mean, we, we wait till the last minute, we, and we change our mind. And this could mean, this, this could be a lot of things. We, in other words, we know what we're supposed to do, and we don't do it, is what I'm getting at. And then once you start to feel a little bit of the consequences of doing what you do, wanted to do versus what the Lord wanted you to do, then you're all of a sudden like, oh, no, 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 I'll do it the way the Lord wanted me to do it. And it's too late. That's us. That's us. We got, the Lord's told us what to do. Uh, I'm going to do it my way. Well, if you want to uh, hear a good sermon, go hear Brother Silas preaching from this pulpit a couple years ago. Read about doing it my way, and you'll see where my way gets you. Uh, the Lord tells us in Proverbs, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, and the ends are of there are the ways of death. I'll stop there on that part and just tell you, we need to start trusting and believing God, believing His Word, if we really want to see the benefits of the power of prayer. Here in Hebrews chapter 3, we actually go back through the history of what happened to the nation of Israel, where they hardened their hearts in the day of the provocation. And we are told not to harden our hearts as they did in the day of provocation. In verse 12 of Hebrews 3, it says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. And I believe he's talking about right now. He's not talking about your eternal glory destination that the Lord has promised through the shed blood of His Son to His people. He's talking about enjoying something today 
that we, it's like, it's, it's the small glimpses of heaven that we get to see now in this life that we will eventually see one day when we're home with him in glory. All right, so he, he wants us to hold fast and stay the course with this confidence in Christ, confidence in God. He wants us to, to hold steadfast while it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke. Now you got, now he's, now he's referring back to those children of Israel that came out of Egypt that even though they heard, they still provoked. Uh, there was a complaining and murmuring and they, they not only provoked him when they were supposed to go into the land, but they also uh, hardened their hearts and when they wanted the melons and all the other stuff that they did, the, the constant complaining, all the journeys uh, while they were journeying over to Canaan's land. And then, of course, then the, if you go and read much about the 40 years of the wilderness and all the things that continue there, and even the load the Lord was feeding them. Anyways. Verse 17, but with whom was he grieved 40 years? Was it not them that had sinned whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. And I will tell you, if you're not seeing the benefits of the power of your own prayers, I will probably wager against you and say, are you praying with belief in the one that can accomplish the very thing that we go to him in prayer for? Yes. You will not see the benefits if you were going to prayer in doubt. And I'm going to carry this even further. We're worshiping this morning. I'm going to read two verses and then I'll come back. Verse four, 1 of chapter 4. Let us, also, uh, let us therefore fear lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest. Any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. I will tell you 100% by the word of God. If you come into the worship service and you're not mixing the preaching that you hear with the faith that you have that God gave you in the new birth, you will not see profit from it. In other words, the preacher's up here talking to you and he's commanding God's word and he's trying to encourage you and to, to, to help you have a better life and walk closer to God. And we've talked about relationship. And if you're saying, oh, that preacher's just phony, he doesn't know it. I'm, I'm, you know, I don't have to do all that and all this stuff. If you're not taking what word, the, the preached word and mixing it with your faith, that a couple of things. Trusting that God, through His power, through two men in earthen vessels that have sin, weaknesses, faults, failures, etc. Are you still trusting that God, through the power and the preaching of the Spirit of God, is still trying to bless His people to walk in such a way that is God-honoring, God-fearing, all the while praising God. See, if you were to look at me and Charles, Brother Adam, others, preachers that may come here, and you're saying, well, that pre you know, you're, if you're looking at the man, that's what I'm trying to get to. If you're looking at the man instead of God, you ain't going to profit, not according to God's word. Because you're looking for your salvation, you're looking for your hope in the men. Instead of looking to God's word and how God can bless you and bless your families. See, that's the trick. If you want the benefits of prayer, you've got to look beyond. I don't know, if I could explain it, I'd probably better than that. I'd, I'd probably try to explain it better than that. For under us was the gospel preached as well unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. If you're coming to church and worship and you're thinking that Brother Charles or myself are going to solve your problems, it ain't going to happen. Now we can help by the power of God, by giving good counsel according to God's word. 
trying to preach in the power and demonstration in the way that the Lord has blessed us to be able to do it, we can help that way. But if you're looking to the men, if you're looking to our flesh to do something, it's just not going to happen. But you've got to be looking to God. For we which have believed do enter into rest. As he said, as I, um, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, all, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spake to in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all of his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached enter not in because of unbelief. He's still referencing back some to the third chapter. Again, he limited a certain day, saying in David, Today, after so long a time, as it is said, Today, if you will hear the voice, harden not your hearts. For if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. This rest is not heaven. I've heard people try to make it heaven. I've heard people teach it heaven. It's not heaven. There is a rest that we get to enter in right now. And I'll tell you, it's very important when they think about the benefits of prayer. Is you know, I've asked you these questions. Who are you talking to? Why are you talking to God? Uh, what do you want to talk to Him about? What's, what's our position? And now we're into the benefits of prayer. I will tell you wholeheartedly, because of the salvation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, knowing that He accomplished it all, and we're not sitting here worried every day about trying to work our way, say a prayer, a confession. We've heard in Romans chapter 10 being preached over the last two weeks that, it's, that, it, that these, those confessions and those, uh, the hearing of the preached word are good things, or the hearing of faith or so, uh, so uh, uh, Hebrews, Romans chapter 10 says, excuse me, Romans chapter 10. Those are good things. But we have something, we have a, greater assurance we have we sing a song blessed assurance we have a greater confidence knowing that the lord jesus christ did it all we sang this morning jesus paid it all all to him i owe so what is the rest that i'm entering in it's a rest that i get to enter into knowing he did it all and if he can do all of that i'm talking about salvation for all of his people if he can do all of that what do you think he can do with some of our measly little old prayers sometimes? I mean, seriously, think about it. There's a rest out there for you and me. We, there we have a place and a benefit of going to prayer. And we say, you know, we sing this song, uh, Bless the Lord, all my soul. Was it Psalm 103? Bless the Lord, all my soul. And forget not all of his benefits. Oh, his benefit package is awesome. I tell you that you know we we can bless the Lord all we want. We think about all the benefits that we have in Christ Jesus. I tell you, there's a lot in prayer, and there's a rest that can come. I'll tell you, this has been great this morning for me. I've actually thoroughly enjoyed myself because I've been tired of worrying and thinking about a lot of things over the last several weeks, probably several months. You know. I, you know, COVID is a real thing that's out there. And those that have gotten it, I pray for them. I pray for Sister Cornelia and the uh, uh, brother up in Coleman, uh, Ronnie Cobb. Um, and I, you know, think, I, I know it's, a, but I tell you, if I wanted to, if I wanted to, I could sit around my, my, my living room and just think about COVID all day because it's all out there. I, I could think about election results all day long. I could sit there and think about all, you know, whatever you want. I can promise you that I can bother myself till I am miserable, and I have to a degree on a couple of days. But you know what? There's a rest out there for us. Amen. Let us labor therefore. Let me back up to verse 10. For he that has entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example 
of unbelief. I tell you, we ought to begin today working, laboring, striving with all of our energy to get into that rest. We talk about it over in John chapter 10, that He's the door of the sheep. By Him, we go in and out and find great pasture. And I'll tell you, there is a great pasture in the presence of our Lord. Why would David write about it in Psalm 23, where he talked about how he was our shepherd? I shall not want. I don't have a need for anything. He leadeth me beside green uh, still waters and into the green pastures. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. We read those things. We sang it this morning. And I'll tell you, there is a rest that is out there. But I'll tell you, if we're just sitting down thinking all of a sudden the Lord's going to pop it in our lap, it ain't going to happen. It's just not going to happen. we got to labor to get there. And you know how you can begin today laboring? Go to the Lord in prayer. Go to Him and pray. Know who you're talking to. Know how He can help you because His benefit package is better than ours. He can see things that you can't see. He knows things that you don't know. And I'll tell you, you'll, maybe tonight you'll just lay your head down and say, I'm at ease. And that's cool. But here in the latter part of the, chapter, the fourth chapter, he talks about us being able to go boldly to the throne of grace. I don't think sometimes we know what boldly means. But I tell you, over the next few weeks, as we talk about the importance of prayer, the power of prayer, maybe some of the benefits of prayer, we're going to figure out one of these days how we can all go together. We're going to do it together. We're going to go boldly together. And I'll tell you, I know a God that His ear is not too heavy nor His arm too short that He will not hear our cries unto Him. And I'll know what? I'll be thankful that when that's done, we can all wait patiently together and see the salvation of our Lord together. And I hope you'll be blessed this morning. God bless you.